You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Check Podcast. I have uh, Giuseppe Loiano, Assistant Professor on the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department and in Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering at the Tandon School of Engineering at NYU at New York University. Uh, he leads the Agile Robotics and Perception Lab, ARPL. They perform uh, fundamental and applied research in the area of robotics autonomy. So, uh, Giuseppe, thanks for coming. How are you doing today? Thanks a lot for the invitation. I'm doing very well. Thanks. Yeah, specifically in the realm of uh, robotics agility, we were going to talk about uh, using eye tracking or eye control of drones. Is that uh, what you'd like to focus on today? Yes. So that's the main topic. Uh, so we've been developing this kind of technology for the past uh, year. And so we got some really exciting results. Well, why control a drone with your eyes? Why not a little uh, remote control that you hold like a RC car? What's the that- trade-off in doing both? That's actually an excellent question. Uh, I mean, we thought that many people are suffering uh, about the ability to really control these machines with uh, uh, external uh, devices, especially with remote uh, controllers. And uh, so basically, this is uh, only used today by expert pilots, or it's generally very difficult that a naive user starts to use and is very good at the the uh, using a remote controller so that's why we thought to use basically uh, some eye tracking glasses uh, that gives the ability to the to the user to directly control the drone using the 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 gaze so where is looking and where is uh, or her eyes are pointing is the direction that the drone is going to go basically the second main reason is also that we really are trying to make these devices and especially these drones accessible to everyone so it's sort of uh, this kind of eye tracking glasses gives really the idea that you have a sort of drone companion and not anymore a machine that is absolutely far from uh, your understanding you know what i noticed that i've tried to use drones a few times and it's very hard to control them and the sensitivity of the joystick you're using to control it is usually you know it takes a while to get used to and the drones fly all over the place and crash and if they start to get out of control, people tend to push hard on the joystick and they crash the other way. But with eye tracking, I can see that it would follow the natural motion of your head. and You wouldn't whip your head to one side necessarily to, uh, to make a correction. So maybe it'll work better. I don't know. Yeah, so that's the hope. And we also try to decouple basically the head orientation with respect to the real gaze that many people consider the same thing, but it's actually not for a better controllability of the 
uh, of the platform. And the other really attractive uh, part of this device is that it's very, it's really non-invasive. So it's like a normal pair of uh, glasses that people wear basically every day. And so we should really imagine that in the future, all the ta most of the glasses will be probably embedded with the sensor suites that these new glasses provide. Hey, you know what I noticed? I'm, I'm just looking around as I talk to you, and it's not comfortable for me to keep my eyes fixed and move my head, nor is it comfortable for me to keep my head fixed and just move my eyes, unless I'm like, you know, doing eye exercises. So it seems like you need the combination of the two, of head movement and eye position, or, eye, or where the gaze is, because, you know, let's say I'm staring at a lamp and I move my head to the left. It feels unnatural for me to keep my gaze on the lamp. So... It seems like the most natural thing is to combine those two. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, you are. You, I mean, you are perfectly right. But uh, the the main problem is that the gaze moves way faster sometimes than your head, especially if you point to lateral objects compared to where you are. You basically notice if you take uh, if you are take your attention that basically it's uh, it's your eyes are moving first and then your head is moving after you, after them. Basically, so they have a sort of anticipative information that we wanted to capture in uh, in uh, in our setup, and uh, so we are able to to do that basically. So what have you noticed? Are you are you at the stage where you've made prototypes and people are using it, and you've observed them in the lab? So basically, right now we are still at uh, an early stage. So this has been just published in uh, in a new paper. We we it's working uh, pretty well. We we plan to expand to multiple users. So and now we are able to let them to interact with each other. Uh, and the other problem, we are also trying to obtain the full 3D information from the gaze, which is actually uh, quite hard. So uh, we can basically send the drone in a direction in space, but we cannot really specify uh, how far. So this information is still missing, and we hope to collect it through new, uh, through, through, through new computer vision uh, algorithms, basically. Yeah, so do you have to combine gaze and head motion? or maybe even other signals so you can get full control of the drone? Yeah, enough? so the idea is to combine, uh, first of all, to combine computer vision technique, like how, for example, you do object detection in the, in the environment and use this detection to basically get a better estimate of the 3D gaze. The other thing we would like also to do is a sort of multimodal interaction. So people, of course, don't only use uh, the the gaze information, but they use also other type of information like uh, uh, gesture or uh, like voice. So we would like to combine all this kind of uh, all these types of interaction together in uh, in a unique framework. Uh, so for better controllability of the drone and for better, let's say, human robot uh, interaction. And what, are there certain kinds of drones that this would be more suited for and ones that it's not suited for? I would say that the, the approach that you are using, it's sort of quite general. I mean, it can be, it just depends on the, on the user and it can be extended to multiple types of, uh, of, of platforms. So the algorithm that we have developed for on, on the user side are quite, uh, uh, quite general. Uh, what we would like also to do is to make some kind of a case a study uh, to see uh, how people react and how people like feel uh, using this type of 
glasses. Right now, we have tried on a couple of users, let's say around five, uh, but would like to extend these approaches to also uh, different types of people uh, at di with different ages to see the difference in the, in the perception of this system, basically. What kind of tasks seem to lend themselves to eye tracking and which ones don't seem to be good for this? It seems to be very good to point to a specific location and to understand the human behavior uh, basically without using uh, uh, explicit command like let's say the voice or the gesture. So it's sort of a hidden command that's coming directly from the eye. So it's very difficult to perceive from another external uh, uh, from another external user. Uh, um, I would say it's it's sort of complementary. Uh, to the uh, to the to the to the other let's say uh, ways of uh, uh, interaction it's sort of less expressive uh, but at the same time it's probably more powerful to direct the uh, to position the drone in uh, uh, in space um is this literally only a one person control or i don't know does this open up the ability for multiple people to control different parts of a drone so that people fly cooperatively, or is that not even, you know, unintended on your radar? So yeah, we envision to basically have a complete framework that incorporates multiple robots and multiple humans in in the loop. Uh, the key idea is to have uh, uh, that human collaborate with each other, but at the same time can interact with those machines to uh, uh, to solve a complex uh, task. So this is just the first building block of this entire structure. Uh, so we really hope to extend uh, basically the approach to uh, multiple robots first with a single user. So how to control the swarm from the single user perspective and then to extend the single user to multiple user and so how basically the the drones and the different machines are basically assigned to the uh, user that are part of the uh, task. Yeah, well, imagining someone controlling a swarm and then a second person comes in and the part of the swarm breaks off and the other person controls it. I guess there's all kinds of interesting things you could do. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because at, the, at that point you have multiple agents that have to collaborate together. The drone is the one that you can literally basically control. The human can also run, uh, basically can also walk or like perform some kind of task by themselves. And then the drone can compensate for what the human is not able, uh, is, is not able to do as a sort of a, a, a companion, uh, basically. And... Uh, the main thing is that this uh, uh, this machine can can accomplish with humans cooperative tasks. Let's say mapping an environment, so that can be accomplished in faster way, both from the human perspective and from the drone perspective. And also, the the, the drone can be sent ahead in space or in region that the human doesn't know to give a first overview, and so that there are safe to identify safe paths for uh, for uh, uh, for humans to enter for example in uh, in a building or after uh, a natural disaster so we should really imagine these drones as helping ourselves during uh, normal life and not anymore as enemies wait i just realized something obvious um if i'm controlling a drone by looking at it that's totally different from me seeing through the drone's camera and seeing controlling it as if i am the drone as if my eyes are in the drone looking out how do you reconcile that or what do you find is best? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Actually, this is uh, the, uh, the looking through the camera of the drone and controlling it. It's becoming a sort of sport. So that's like FPV pilot. I wouldn't say that for now this can be uh, can be for sure recon- reconciled. I mean, if you think about virtual uh, augmented reality device that uh, that have also the gaze ability, you can basically think about reconstructing the uh, environment using, for example, the headset from the of the human's headset, but also using the camera from the drone. So the user can basically have a perspective, a new perspective in his or her new world that is a combination basically of uh, images and uh, um, maps that comes from uh, his own exploration and that also comes from the drone exploration. So this can increase actually the uh, human capabilities. But what happens if you're controlling a drone and it goes out out of line of sight? Do you switch to, you know, onboard drone camera mode? You know, uh, I don't know. It just seems, um, I don't know. Can you have both of those in your view at the same time? Would that confuse you? It just seems like a difficult problem or puzzle. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's certainly a difficult problem. Out of line of sight, you should certainly probably switch to the field, to the camera view. But within the, uh, the, the, the line of sight, you can probably also use a combination of both, but not showing the image to the user, but showing a new world that is a sort of uh, combined map, combined 3D reconstruction done from the user perspective, but also from the drone perspective. So the human basically has an open world in front of him that shows a much larger area uh, reconstructed to to increase basically his or her situational awareness. Well, what if you paired a drone with a follower that kept it a certain distance and its only job is to mimic the first drone, stay a certain distance away and have its camera trained on it. So when you go out of line of sight, that camera takes over and you still are getting a pseudo line of sight, you know, uh, view of the drone, but then you can still switch to that drone's particular camera, the main drone, and see things close up if you want. Yeah, that's definitely an option. Uh, but uh, the main problem is to use the camera of the of the drone. Many people need needs lots of hours of training, and this is still like some kind of concern uh, for naive user. Uh, so the using the 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 camera of the drone is certainly an option, uh, but it's not something that uh, people feel comfortable already to uh, use it as a first experience, basically. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you need a follower drone for people that you know it's a much lower threshold for training versus uh, using the drone's camera. That's definitely an option. So what's the holy grail for you? What what kind of experience do you want to create? For users, and how long do you think it's going to take you to get there? So I think there are the experience we want to create is that first of all the drone has to be a sort of a companion for the uh, for the uh, human. Uh, so I would like that the drone, for example, is able to enter into a building uh, with the human, and the, the the human receives directly feedback. Meanwhile, he's pointing to different areas, uh, receives directly feedback about the the structure, for example, of the uh, of the building, about uh, uh, if there are some critical parts uh, that needs to be uh, replaced and that needs the uh, human intervention, uh, such to facilitate inspection and basically mapping tasks that right now are basically just executed by expert uh, 
uh, people by working in this area or by people that know how to control uh, manually uh, a drone. This is, for example, also the case of bridge inspection. So many people send uh, expert users to uh, basically look at the bridge uh, manually or they have some kind of pilots that send the drone directly, that they pilot the drone around the bridge. Uh, but a third case would be basically to have a user that uses the gaze to drive the robot around the bridge and at the same time receives feedback online about the current status of the bridge and what's, what needs to be uh, replaced or, um, uh, or maintained uh, in, the, in the near future. Well, very good. So what, what's the best way for people to find out more about what you're doing and maybe, you know, watch videos of it or, you know, when could they get the device itself to do the eye tracking? So the device, I believe, uh, the device is already uh, available online. We'll post mostly, mostly of the algorithm probably within the next couple of years. This is like a long process. It's a research that just started. Uh, the latest update will certainly be found on my uh, uh, website. That's the Agile Robotics and Perception Lab. And on the DCIST uh, website, that's the new program uh, that is sponsoring actually this type of research. Very good. And what, what, is there any other way to get in touch with you or you know your lab or department to ask questions or give ideas? Yeah, so my personal email is uh, uh, loyanog at nyu.edu, so people are really welcome to email me directly. There is, a, uh, there is a news page directly on my website that includes also the latest video, the latest uh, release in terms of, of algorithms, and also the latest collaboration that, uh, that, uh, that we have in addition to the main research areas. Uh, that that we focus on. So gaze dragging is just one of the multiple works that we are carrying on at NYU, basically. And we have also affiliated to the lab a YouTube channel that you can find directly on the lab website. That's great. Well, Giuseppe, thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, it's interesting to see all the implications of what you're working on. So uh, keep up the good work. And thank you for being here. Thanks a lot for your time. And thanks a lot to everyone for listening. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.